This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 65 of the DCAU Review. Coming to you a bit delayed today due to some programming issues, but uh, better late than never. As always, I'm your host, Cal, along with me, my good friend, my good brother, and the DCAU Review Twitter guru. That's right, Liam, episode 65. We're moving past Justice League and we're headed to back to the future, as we said before. The future, Cal? All the way to the year, what is it, 2030, 2035 or whatever it's supposed to be? Something like that, 2039, 2041. I feel like there's a couple different answers depending on the version, but either way. We are we are back in the world of Batman Beyond. Of course, as uh, we mentioned last week, it's the 20th anniversary of Batman Beyond originally debuting on Kids WB. They also just a couple weeks ago now had that panel at Comic Con where they announced they're doing the full HD re-release of the series, similar to what they did with Batman the Animated Series a couple years ago. So it's an exciting time to be a uh, Batman Beyond fan. It is. It's uh, it's always good to go back and look at this through the critical eyes we've been doing with each and every one of these different series. But this uh, in particular, we've had we've had some great success thus far. Uh, we've done every Batman Beyond episode in order so far, and uh, most from our recollection, which of course you can check back on the archives at dcaureview.com. We can go back and check every Batman Beyond episode that we've covered thus far. But uh, I feel like we have a pretty good average, Liam, as far as the scores are concerned. And today, that uh, we'll see if that continues as we cover the next episode in order, which is A Touch of Curare, which introduces a reoccurring villain who is, just happens to be named, Curare. <laughs> Funny how that works. Very interesting. Uh, let's uh, let's start by jumping in. Do you have our IMDb synopsis for this video, or for this episode? Uh, I do, and it is for the episode, as you mentioned, Touch of QRA. It was written by Hillary J. Bader. It was directed by Dan Reba. And the synopsis reads as such. Commissioner Barbara Gordon is determined to protect her DA husband from an elite assassin. And she definitely does not want Batman, and especially Bruce Wayne's, help. I'd say that's a pretty good... They do such a great job. I don't know who wrote these, but they usually do such a great job of encapsulating in just a few seconds. Is that somebody's job, you think, just to write synopses of various plots for television shows and movies? I feel like it's probably crowdsourced, judging on base based on what IMDb is. but (laughs) More of a Wikipedia-type situation? Yeah, probably. But yeah, regardless, that is the certainly the the plot, as it were. So we might as well start jumping into the plot for this week's episode. As we always talk about, we got our four different categories, and then our additional bonus category. In case you haven't listened to any of our prior sixty-four episodes, but uh, this week we'll, as we always do, start with plot. Um, 
Liam, what was your initial thoughts on plot? This is a new Batman Beyond Rogue. Um, it has some connections to the old Batman the Animated Series and the DC Universe as a whole with the League of Assassins being brought in as uh, Kirare is, is a member of the League of Assassins. But uh, it's it's a brand new character in and of itself with no real specific ties. It's not somebody's daughter or somebody's right. granddaughter or anything. It's a, it's a new character and a new foe for Batman, for Terry. Uh, our, our Batman Beyond Batman uh, to to face. What were your initial thoughts on plot? Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward as as we mentioned in the synopsis. It's we uh, you know we open with with Barbara and her husband sort of just uh, you know having a nice night out, and immediately you know they're attacked by this this crazy new assassin, and and then most of the episode is just them sort of being on the run and. Uh, and Terry kind of trying trying his best to stop it and kind of being outsmarted or outwitted by by this assassin and then sort of finally at the end Barbara Barbara and Terry kind of work together and uh are able to uh are able to take take her down and of course we kind of set up for future episodes by uh you know at the end having Kiara appear to be now a target of the society of assassins because she failed to kill her target. So it's, it sets up some stuff for future episodes. And obviously it's, it's, I guess we got to talk about the elephant in the room. It's the, uh, it's the first episode where we officially get confirmation that, uh, Barbara Gordon and Bruce Wayne were a couple in this world. Yep. And look, it has been pointed out by our friends over at the watchtower database who actually just recently did a video on this exact subject. They weren't really, you know, father-daughter type relationship in this world that being said it's still weird he still dated someone who his former ward was dating at one point in in his life it's weird uh but it is sort of the central focus beyond the curare it's like the b plot of the whole episode is terry kind of beginning to find out more of i guess the dirty laundry uh you know batman and, and bruce wayne's uh, dirty laundry, which I think is that. I mean, that's at least interesting. Even if you, uh, even if you're not a fan of the romance part of the the Barbara Bruce relationship, that idea that sort of at this point in, in his life, as we know, everyone that cared about Bruce is either dead or he's kind of pushed away. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is the and I remember back in the day because it was the very even though this is the future future of the DCAU review taking place. This is the first time that it was alluded to or mentioned that there was some sort of romance between the two of them. It's interesting because in mystery of the Batwoman, they follow that up with a bit of, there's a scene where Barbara is in Paris, I believe. And she, she alludes to uh, missing Bruce and, and Tim, teases Bruce while he's <laughs> on the phone with him, which is a which is a hilarious scene. And once we once we get go down the road and cover Mystery of the Batwoman, uh, we can certainly uh, certainly talk about that scene specifically. But yeah, it, it is eventually played out and, and played upon uh, further on and we we know from at least from the Batman and Harley Quinn movie that Dick moved on from from Barbara. He's you know, hanging out and <laughs> <laughs> doing stuff with Harley, so it's sure, not 
it's uh you know it it yeah it's it's a weird thought and i think that comic book fans as a whole especially if you've followed the main continuity of the dca or the dc universe your general thoughts are that batgirl goes with nightwing like that's just how it is they're a couple it's yeah. you know it's it's like mary jane and spider-man it's like you know it's like cyclops and jean gray it's when you introduce somebody else in that into that romance angle it's like this feels dirty and then on top of it it's you know you have bruce who's clearly older than her much older than her right. and yeah the, just you get the he- a little bit of the heebie-jeebies with that said i will i appreciate the fact that they did something different and then they went in a different direction and uh you, you're right the plot of this episode curare while she is the villain is more of a plot device i think for the episode the plot is is mainly meant to advance the character of of this older commissioner barbara gordon and what her life looks like now her dynamic and fleshing out what that dynamic with terry is going to look like what her dynamic with bruce continues to be and it adds certainly some depth to the the series as a whole because from here on out we have more interactions between barbara and terry barbara bruce and terry and her sort of deciding to allow Bruce to continue with Terry. And then of course it leads to some great stuff with return of the Joker and, and other, other dynamics that are fleshed out later on. Um, With that said, I, I think that this episode did a good job of having a, 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 a villain Using that villain as a subplot, though, because really, like you said, the main plot is finding out about what happened, where Barbara, how Barbara got to where she is now. You know, she's married to the district attorney, their lives, her thoughts and why she's why she's maybe not a fan of the vigilante justice that Bruce is encouraging Terry or allowing Terry to to conduct uh, as the next generation of Batman. And seeing that dynamic continue to play out throughout this series as we go on between Terry and Barbara as as uh, as characters themselves. So yeah, I, I think they did a really really good job with that. I, I knowing that they that Kirare comes back. Um, spoiler alert: There's more episodes of <laughs> her in it. Um, and even the the sort of cliffhanger ending where she's escaping and you see the sword break through the top of the of the police vehicle. Uh, that that I thought was a great great way of doing that interesting that they we'll talk about an animation visuals when we get to curare as a as a from a design standpoint but i i really really liked this and um i appreciated the fact that they the villain sort of took the back seat but wasn't wasn't a complete afterthought it wasn't just a throw-in villain there um and then knowing that you get to see her fleshed out later on so i gave plot a very strong eight out of ten what about you yeah, I'm right in that same ballpark. I went 7 out of 10 um, for all the reasons you mentioned. And I, I really liked the scene in the cave when Barbara first shows up. And, and Terry, it just like dawns on Terry suddenly, oh, my God, she's Batgirl. And, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. And then in, in, this, in, this, in the back and forth between her and Bruce, there's a line that's actually very reminiscent of the, the new Batman Adventures episode, Old Wounds. Mm-hmm. Where uh, where Dick is is yelling at Batman and and Batgirl sort of set, you know speaks up and says you know it's not like that I volunteered to go on this mission, and Dick tells her you just think you did 
because he manipulates people and pulls strings to get what he wants. Right. And here, here some 30-some years later, is Barbara now in the role of the person, uh, you know, telling the quote-unquote naive Terry, you know, we all thought that we volunteered for this, but it's not really, that's not really how it goes. So the idea of Bruce is sort of even maybe unintentionally manipulating these these young partners he's had over the years, I think is, is a really interesting idea. And the idea that Barbara, who was once that sort of wide-eyed, uh, you know, uh, more naive, more more innocent heroine now sort of being the the one who's in the in the position that that you know Dick Grayson was in a long time ago I think was a was a really nice dynamic and it really works well if you if you're familiar with that episode and with sort of the the way that <laughs> Batman's relationship with with most of his partners seems to have shaked out in this uh, in this DC animated universe no I concur I concur as well yeah that that scene where where she comes into the Batcave. There's so many layers in that scene that are that are great. Her interaction with the Batgirl costume, um, and then the follow-up scene with Terry and her getting coffee. Again, where you find out the dynamics of their relationship, and you know the relationship. What happened with with Nightwing? You get a, you know a Nightwing reference there. Um, Nightwing gets a couple references uh, in interactions between Terry and and Barbara uh, in further episodes too. But um, yeah, v- very, very, very good. And uh, yeah, that, a, a great scene there and great performances as we'll talk later on in voice acting. But all right, let's uh, let's move on to our next category, Liam. We'll talk about animation and visuals. I uh, mentioned it before when we were talking about Curare. Her look is certainly very unique. It stands out. Clearly an assassin type. She has the uh, completely covered face. All you can see are her eyes coming out of the uh, the, the look. It's a very Cobra Commander-esque, I would yeah. say, type hood that she's wearing. And uh, she has this blue skin. Not sure that was... Ne- I mean, we don't really find out a whole lot about her even further in the series from my recollection we don't really get a backstory of her and or if we do you don't really get an explanation of why her skin is blue which is a (laughs) weird weird choice it stands out because her costume is all white and she's blue but you don't really get an understanding of is she is she an alien is she did she have some sort of skin pigmentation disease? Is that a part of the initiation right. for the Society of Assassins or League of Assassins? Like, what is, why is her skin blue and why doesn't she want her face shown? Um, there's a part where they're fighting where Batman rips off her mask and you really don't get a, a, a clear visual on what it looks like. You see that she doesn't have any hair. She's completely bald. But you don't really get a, a look at her face before she kicks him and grabs her mask back. And Which led me to believe that there may have been some sort of re- reveal they were going to do later on. or I'm not sure. It seems so, like Terry, Terry has a little bit of a gasp or something like that after he takes the mask off. Yeah, actually, uh, James Tucker was actually just recently talking about this on his Twitter. Um, so... The idea when this character has come up with, I believe Glenn Murakami is the one who sort of came up with the idea for the character, um, that the idea originally was that she was going to maybe be a future love interest for Terry. And, but in, apparently in the script for this episode, 
there wasn't really anything about you know, other than she lost her mask and then you know kicked Batman and put it back on. So when James Tucker was storyboarding in it, he sort of wrote in the fact that she yeah she didn't have hair and she was you know perhaps a bit disfigured, and that kind of ruined <laughs> that kind of accidentally ruined uh, Glenn Murakami's idea of her being like an Electra type uh, foe for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think, I think it's just, that's just a hilarious little uh, aside, but it, it does, it does uh, give you, it's, it's interesting because as you mentioned, the visuals are really all we really have to go on with, with the uh, Kirari in this case, because she doesn't speak. And other than, you know, some, some exposition from Bruce about her being, you know, one of the, the top assassins in the world and all that, there's no, we don't we don't get a lot of uh, death with her, and obviously we'll we'll see her a couple more times in the series. So uh, perhaps we'll get a bit more of that as we go. But yeah, it was it was interesting having a character that was almost solely uh, a visual uh, a visual character because she doesn't really. So all we really know about her is you know she moves very gracefully. She's obviously this incredible fighter who's taking down just scores and scores of uh, you know cops who are trying to protect. Sam, and then you know finally the you know the combined efforts of Batman and and Barbara are able to take her down temporarily. But then you know we they show how kind of immediately capable she is because she's a, she escapes almost immediately. So it's it's interesting though, and I I think uh, the visuals are pretty strong. I really loved the sequence where she's where they're on the train, and uh, and she like jumps onto one train and then does like a flip and hooks a grappling hook onto the tracks and swings down to the, to the other train where, where Barbara and Sam are and, and attacks all the cops. I thought there's some, they did a good job of it. I think showing her sort of gracefulness and her, you know, there's like, there's some art to her style, which, uh, you know, is, is interesting you know, the killer that's also sort of a uh, takes pride in their in their art is, is an interesting idea. Yeah. She's definitely, she has the, obviously ninja type training that comes with being uh, a member of the, the assassins and yeah, they do a great job of it's, it's graceful in the way that she attacks and even her, a lot of her movements and they do a great job uh, visually of making her a clearly formidable foe for both Terry and like you said, an army of police officers, this skinny, she's not, she's not exactly like a, 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 fitness model or something that's super ripped or something that you're gonna that looks intimidating at first glance she's pretty skinny and again blue and (laughs) but clearly uh the sword that she has scimitar that she has which is cuts through what are the 10 inches of steel at one point when barbara and her husband are are stuck uh, stuck in the meat locker uh, just like nothing, like it just cuts mm-hmm. through. It cuts, it cuts through anything. Through like a giant like stone statue. It cuts through like light posts and trees and yeah, it's it's pretty much an indestructible weapon. So and a weapon that can cut through just about anything. So uh, yeah, they they did a good job of making her a visually interesting character. Um, I couldn't help. <laughs> Couldn't help but think, and this is more modern day because clearly at the time it wasn't 
wasn't uh, wasn't prominent, and I, I don't even don't even know if she was serving. But I, I have to say that Barbara Gordon's visuals remind me a lot of presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren, um, <laughs> and I I couldn't I could not not see that after I saw after I saw it the first time. So a lot of a lot of the time. I, I just kept thinking of well, if they ever do a live action Batman Beyond movie, I know who I'm I'm going to call for the casting of <laughs> Commissioner Barbara Gordon. It's going to be Senator Elizabeth Warren or nobody. That's incredible. I hadn't thought about that, but you are entirely right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cannot unsee. Um, so that was a little distracting as I got into the episode itself, but that was that was my own my own darn fault. There's a, uh, some. I I watched this on the DC Universe streaming service, and I believe they've done the digital re-enhancement and color correcting and all that stuff on this episode. So I did notice that in the Batcave scene, Bruce looked a lot less jaundiced. We didn't have that <laughs> weird, weird yellow glow from the Bat computer uh, that turned their skin yellow. So I, I did appreciate that for uh for the for the color correction in the streaming service um haven't watched a lot of the the new digital digitally enhanced episodes of the original batman the animated series but watching this i i certainly appreciate the uh digital enhancement for that with that said i i think there's a lot of great visuals in the episode um i think that the chase scenes, like you said, were really, really good. Chase scenes are always fun. They do them really, really well. And uh, there's multiple ones from the from the start here because the whole thing is she's trying to chase down Sam and kill him. By the way, that the whole plot was he's testifying against some sort of is it? They don't say Russian. Is it? Is it from that made up like Russian country? They didn't. Do they? Yeah, Kaznia. Do they? They don't I, say specifically. Yeah, I think they just kind of keep they keep it kind of vague on uh, on which countries from. But yeah, the name sounded very uh, uh, definitely that part of the world. <laughs> very Kaznian. Yes, we'll just say it was Kaznian. And uh, so yeah, visuals visuals. Otherwise, you get a lot of shots of the police and different police vehicles and her jumping on things and Batman chasing her, her chasing Batman, even the final scene, like in that meat locker and the, when he ties her up and they kind of swing together and she crushes him with her legs. Like when she's (laughs) tied up, you see they cut to Terry's face and his agony. And then even the background of like, as he screams in agony, you see like electricity in the background that kind of just enhances that feeling of like, Holy crap, this is super painful. She's like crushing me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I thought that was done really well. I I gave animation a a pretty strong seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I'm in that ballpark eight out of 10 for me. Uh, Just for all the reasons we've mentioned, I think it's, it's really strong and really striking and, some really cool shots where, like, you know, Kiari jumps and she sort of, like, you know, swoops in front of the moon and some really, really picturesque uh, shots in there. And, they, like I said, I think they really got over sort of the, the, the gracefulness and, and artfulness of, uh, of this incredibly talented person. And it's just a really, it's a really unique foil, as we've already mentioned, because of her look and, and the way she uses the, the sword and everything. It's just a very unique type of villain for for Terry to fight, and 
you know, at this point in the series, it's, it's, he's still kind of young and, and isn't, certainly isn't a match for her hand to hand. But so seeing him kind of try to find different ways to, you know, use the suit's technology to his advantage and, and things like that are, are, are kind of cool to see as well. See, see him kind of be a thinking Batman, maybe relying more on gadgets at this point in the series than on, on his own uh, fighting style. But yeah, I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job of communicating that. So yeah, eight out of 10. Agreed. Yeah. I, yeah. Last thing on that. It reminds me a lot of some of the chase scenes in the initial Catwoman episode uh, between Batman and Catwoman. Those, those yeah. chase scenes were done very, very well. And uh, the acrobatics and the jumping from building to building. And it kind of gives you an updated version of that. All right, Liam, let's move on to music. Uh, I was a big fan of the music for this episode. Again, I, I think that there wasn't one solid theme song for Kirare, but there were multiple themes that kicked in and when she would show up. Um, I think they use that to the advantage. Again, you have that. You have multiple chase scenes. They they do the music for chase scenes very well, which adds to the atmosphere of the intensity and the just the excitement of Batman trying to chase down a villain. Uh, the whole thing is Curare hunting down Sam's, trying to kill him. So of course, there's intensity that is created, a mood that is set by the music. Um, I think, and and there's there's a there's a great part where Batman swoops in. Um, I believe it's in the second act, or no, no, it's the I think it's in the when they're in the meat locker in the in the closing scene where they actually use the Batman Beyond theme as a way to punctuate yeah. him entering the, the scene, which I was like, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is this is what this is what I need. Like, this is what, <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be. You bring in the Batman theme when Batman shows up, punctuates the scene, gives you that like hair raising goosebump feeling when he gets in. Um, I, I gave music a very strong eight out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went, I went seven out of 10. It's really good. The, the most uh, consistent music, as you mentioned, there's not really one theme is, most of uh, Curare's uh, actions are, at least at the start of the scenes, are sort of all accompanied by this uh, this this same kind of drumming. It's like uh, kind of like bongos or conga drums. Very like it has this very like native, uh, you know, native drumming feel to it, and it kind of builds from there. And then and then the you know the guitar or whatever kicks in after that. But they, I thought they did a really nice job of building to that and, and showing her sort of when she's about to kind of go on her big run of uh, you know, just starting the anticipation there with, uh, you know, with, with that with that drumming. And I play the drums personally, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of anything that kind of puts the, the percussion on, uh, on the front lines of, of, a, music, of, a, of a theme or of, a, of an episode is, is pretty cool for me. So I really like the way they kind of would build the anticipation where it just starts with that drumming very softly and it gets a little more frantic and a little quicker. And then, like I said, the, you know, the, then the guitar kicks in and yeah, it's really effective. And uh, yeah, I even like some of the sort of the softer music at the start of the episode when, when Barbara and Sam are just kind of walking and, and talking and you kind of have a, like a little bit of a sweet romantic moment between those two. Um, I thought that the music there really was. So, yeah, it's, it's a good example of sort of holding back when it needed to and then really ramping up and building up that anticipation and building up to that sort of frantic pace, uh, you know, as, as Terry's sort of racing against time trying to stop this, uh, you know, this master assassin. They, they did a great job. 
Yeah, I, I, I concur completely. All right, let's move on to our final category, Liam. It is going to be voice acting. Uh, this is where I felt like the episode may have been weakest to me. Um, hmm. I feel, I don't know, it's hard. It's very, very difficult. Terry, of course, is great. Bruce is great. Um, my issue is with Barbara, but before I guess we get into that, let's let's talk about any uh, any special players or anybody that we need to know about this week. So of course, as mentioned, we have Starker Channing returning as Barbara Gordon. She so interesting. She only does Barbara for about half the, half the series, and then uh, she leaves. I think starting with Return of the Joker, uh, Angie Harmon replaces her and does and does the voice for the rest of the series. So. Um, I think she's all right. Um, she's, she has probably almost as much dialogue as anybody in this episode. And she has a very monotone voice. And sometimes that can, that can be frustrating because you're, you're dealing with these big emotional beats and you're, you're getting sort of all this exposition about the, you know, the original bat family dumped on you. And it's all kind of said in the same voice as, you know, as when she's talking to her husband or when she's talking to other cops or it's kind of, uh, I don't know. And maybe that's just the way she talks and the scenes where she needs to be like the no nonsense cop who doesn't approve of young Batman, I think are, are good, but there's not a lot of nuance for those, for those later scenes either. Yeah. That ultimately was my issue with, with when I allude to that, when I alluded to that was just her delivery is so monotone. Her delivery is so emotionless. And it's, if you go back to the Batman, the animated series, whether it was the original voice of Batgirl, who was Melissa Gilbert, Gilbert. Yes. Of little house on the prairie fame. um, Whose voice was very animated, very dynamic, very, warm very youthful and energetic or then when it was done it was tara strong in in batman they made series, or new batman adventures right yes tara so tara strong's vo- uh, vocal um performance as barbara again it's a little a little more i guess a little less chipper bright but still had that youthful and I don't know, a- animated, like I don't know way, a other way of putting it, animated life behind it. And then I, I understand that the dynamic is supposed to be that now she's this hardened police chief and no nonsense. It just doesn't fit with a character as well to me, which why, which is maybe why I think that di- the dynamic is such a stark contrast. And then you just have this emotionless, she just completely lacks emotion even in her conversations with her husband who she's clearly supposed to love and she's married to him it felt like she was like a robot like it just didn't i did not i did not enjoy her performance as barbara in this i didn't even realize that her voice had changed halfway through the series so it will be interesting to hear angie Harmon's performance versus this performance yeah, um, well, well, and obviously there's there's quite a few episodes left with uh, Starker Channing in the role, so you know maybe yeah. she'll she'll change her mind by the time we get to them. But yeah, in this episode, like like for all the reasons we've we've just said, I think she kind of let it down. Um, some of the other players we had we had Paul Winfield as as Sam, Barbara's husband. Uh, he was in uh, 
Star Trek II, uh, The Wrath of Khan, probably, I think probably the most famous Star Trek movie, and uh, also in The Terminator, kind of both in minor roles, but, uh, you know, been around, seasoned, seasoned actor, and I think he does all right here. He doesn't have much to do, and a lot of, again, a lot more of his stuff is more visual cues of him just looking sad and terrified, um, so there's not a lot asked of him, but, I, I mean, I think he does an all right job, and then... So Kiari does have a voice actress. Uh, her name is Melissa Disney. Um, <laughs> and uh, she's, at, she's probably most famous for being the lead character on the Nickelodeon series, As Told by Ginger. Okay. And, and uh, but it's like, I'm, I'm just fascinated that they brought in like a unique actress just to do like her fight grunts. Because she does not speak at all. Yeah, it's why I was gonna ask you, like jokingly, did they did they credit Kirare with a voice actress? So that's yeah, that is very interesting. That I, I don't I don't know I don't know the thought process behind that. Again, maybe it was if they were gonna use her later on in the series as somebody they were gonna allow her to talk. I I don't know. They figured they would get somebody in there, a, a legitimate actress that could fulfill that role if necessary. I, I don't know that. Yeah, that is, that's very funny and, and sort of a neat factoid. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, no, no big surprise The you know, the strongest performances are of course, Will Friedle is Terry and, and Kevin Conroy is Bruce. They're, they're both quite good in the episode. So kind of a different, difficult episode to score for me. Cause again, I didn't, I didn't hate Starker Channing's Barbara Gordon, but I, I do agree with you that there was, uh, yeah, there should have been more. So I, I gave voice acting six out of ten. Kind of just, it's good, but if if we had, you know, if we had had like a stronger voice acting performance out of Barbara, or who knows, maybe if Kiari had been allowed to talk, maybe maybe the score could have been higher. But uh, yeah, I'm sitting at six out of ten. Not not gonna bring out the disagreement alarm because I already have too much to edit anyway, but <laughs> I will say that I'm okay with them not having Curare talk. I think it adds to the mystery. I think eventually they could have brought in some sort of vocals for her, but ultimately I don't think she ever Maybe speak. she could have like a voice box gimmick, like, uh, like Kane <laughs> in, in WWF Raw in 1998. Crossover. Crossover. <laughs> um yeah, but I, I absolutely concur with you, so much so that I gave this the exact same score of 6 out of 10. And uh, just a reminder for the listeners at home, we don't discuss our scores, but uh, we are related, so oftentimes <laughs> our scores are eerily similar, if not exactly the same. So, yeah, yeah 6 out of 10 uh, was my score for the voice acting as well. I, I'm with you. I think that there were just some scenes that needed more emotion from Barbara. I get it. She can be the hardened, hardened criminal, but in that, in that scene with her husband or the scene with Terry where they're interacting and it just, it comes across as robotic and, and I don't know, it just doesn't fit the character for me. It very much feels like someone's reading lines off of paper, which is pretty rare for these, uh, for these cartoons. So maybe, maybe that's part of the problem too. We've just been so spoiled by, you know, some of the great and incredible casting choices that uh, Andrea Romano made over the years. And again, I don't think she's like offensively terrible. It's just, yeah, could have been better. Could have used more. Agreed. 
All right, William, I think that brings us to our final scores. Uh, Tallying up everything that I did today, it brings us up to a final score of 29 out of 40. What about you? And mine is a very, very different 28 out of 40. Imagine that, 28 out of 40. Uh, We had the same exact score last week. We were one point off this week. Uh, You would think that this – we. There are going to be some episodes in the future we differ on. Trust me. Sure. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for sure. You'll hear that. You'll hear that disagreement alarm sometime in the near future. But until then, thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys tuning into this week's episode, and hopefully we will have next week's episode back on time at ten nine central. Don't forget, you can check out all the old episodes, everything that we've covered before, prior Batman Beyond episodes. And each and every series we've covered episodes from everything except Justice League Unlimited thus far, Liam. We've also covered a couple different movies. That's all available at DCAUReview.com. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about what's... Uh, we didn't mention rewatchability for this episode. I think for the character itself... I would recommend watching this, if you're, especially if you're watching through Batman Beyond. At the end of the day, I, I don't necessarily think it's a must-watch. Although, we did talk about the impact that it has as far as learning some of the depth or the behind-the-scenes of what happened and filling in the blanks between what happened uh, at the end of the new Batman adventures all the way up to Batman Beyond. So, would you consider this a must-watch? Um, yeah, kind of. It's It's... If you, this is a pretty essential, you know, plot thread throughout the rest of Batman Beyond. Certainly, it comes up again in in Return of the Joker because, you know, besides the sort of the headline grabber is the, you know, Bruce and Barbara were a couple thing, but just sort of the, again, that overarching theme of where we find Bruce in the Batman Beyond pilot, this old man who's sitting alone in his castle with, you know, with no one to talk to except his dog. Um, it's it's pretty important in sort of establishing, you know, more of that relationship, more of what led to Bruce sort of ending up alone like this. And I th- I think it's must watch for that, and for the fact that yeah, it introduces a recurring villain. So even though it's not the best episode, it is, you know, it's the nice part of it only being 22 minutes. Is it, it's I mean it's a breeze to get through. It's not like there's it's a real slog or anything, but uh, even if it's not a great episode, I do think it's pretty, it's pretty darn important to the, to the series and to kind of the overall characterization of Bruce Wayne uh, and Batman uh, throughout the whole DCAU. Agreed. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Any closing thoughts, Liam, before we move on? No, uh, as always, feel free to tweet us at DCAU review with your thoughts on this episode and any episode we've, uh, We've covered, as as Cal mentioned at the start of the show, we all of our Batmans we do in order. So we we've done the entire first season of Batman the Animated Series. We're about will this month we will be finishing uh, next week. In fact, we'll be finishing uh, season one of Batman Beyond and uh, breaking into the first couple episodes of season two this month as well. So, uh, but basically all the other shows, Superman, Justice League. Uh, uh, let us know what you want us to uh, what what you want us to watch next. If you have any ideas, uh, we've you know we've considered maybe breaking into like Static Shock or maybe doing some other Elseworlds stuff. So always always want to get some feedback. Hear what hear what you guys think we should do next. Which shows we should, we should cover uh, for the rest of this year of 2019. And you know fan art, any any fan theories, 
how do you feel about the over the, the overall uh, relationship of uh, of Bruce and Barbara? Does it does it make your skin crawl? Do you not really care? Uh, this is certainly one of the I think one of the most talked about topics in all of uh, of DCAU fandom over the years. So I I am very interested to see just people's sort of gut reaction to it. Uh, when, when maybe they first learned about it. So uh, definitely tweet me at DCAU Review and uh, let us know what you think. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for this week's episode. I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.